Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corbacero, and this is a Guiltini's end of season special. We're going to be dropping a number of these during the off season as we sort of guys start to leave. We've had an amazing opportunity to, well, I've had an amazing opportunity to work with everyone here at this team. And I think it's about time we got some of their thoughts, their stories, and you guys got to know them a bit better and, and see what I see sort of behind the curtain. So without any further ado, our debut Guiltini's special is none other than the LA Guiltini's captain, Dave Dennis, who also got the Players Player Award and the MLR winning head coach of the LA Guiltini's, Darren Coleman, before he heads off to the Waratahs. Enjoy. And now a word from our sponsor. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. I am joined by none other than US MLR winners, captain and head coach Darren Coleman and Dave Dennis from the LA Guiltinis, my good friends as well and co-workers. Uh, lads, welcome to the pod. Uh, had to get you on uh, before, you know, getting you guys off to Oz or whatever, you know, just after what a ride we've had this season. Yeah, thanks for having us, mate. Oh, yeah. I've been watching all year. And it takes us, we have to win the lead to get on his podcast. It's pretty sad. But I, I, I appreciate being here. I bet you, had, you set high standards and we've achieved that. And uh, I'm glad to be here, mate. Uh, mate, I'm all about, you know, dangling the carrot. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I couldn't do, we couldn't do year one and not win it. So, you know, I know how keen you all are for the pod. We made an exception for Darren earlier in the season because he begged. Um, I've been on it. Yeah, I've been he, here. He, he, yeah, long time listener as well. We had to get him on. Yeah. Uh, but guys, it's, it's just fantastic to, to have you here. No, it's great. Uh, a lot more spacious than the last interview I did. Uh, I think we were locked in a little phone booth last time, but uh, no, you've done a great job with the show and uh, it's good to be here to wrap up. No, it is an absolute pleasure and it was an honour to do the season with you guys and obviously doing the show as well was something really fun for me and something I've wanted to do for a long time and I think there needs to be a place for in this US market, but... The journey and what we did this year was was just so special. So I think, um, you know, Darren, we, we talked a little bit about how, you know, your motivations for coming to America. But I think I'd like to start maybe early with Deno of like, why L.A.? Why the Guiltinis? Why are we here, Deno? Yeah, it's a good question, mate. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for me. Um, I, I've been very fortunate to play in... Uh, or four, sorry, two very proud clubs in, in the Waratahs in Sydney where DC's about to head off to and, uh, and next to Chiefs in England. And I had fantastic time there, but um, I think I just, I, I like the challenge of building something from scratch, you know, a blank canvas. Uh, 12 months ago, this, this club didn't even exist. You know, when I spoke to Darren and Stephen Halls, who's a, a good coach and a good friend of mine, um, what they, what they talked about and what they thought we could achieve was really exciting. And uh, I knew there was a lot of work to be done to, to achieve that. But to, to come over here, well, meet, meet the squad on Zoom, um, 
to get over here late to a, to a camp in Maui. We sort of all rolled in at different times to live up in Oxnard for the first couple of rounds um, uh, of the season, to get down to LA, to get settled, um, you know, to, to travel, to challenge ourselves as a group. It was all, it was all a real, real special journey. And um, to, to finish the year with our first ever trophy in our first year, it's a real cool story and something I look back on very fondly. No, I agree, Matt. I think it was kind of, you know, poetic with the journey that we had in year one, um, this sort of ragtag army, you know, like we all came together, we met in Maui, um, all from different areas of the globe, but have this common theme of a love of rugby and a common goal. And, and I really think that the environment that we were able to create here was so special. And it's one of the things that I really enjoyed most about this season was the way that we just had this environment where you could be yourself it was from the ground up like it was such a fun um almost intoxicating place to come to I didn't want to I hated leaving it for half the week when I would go back to my to my real life and and DC I think that a lot of that comes from you and the way you started the season and really sort of put an emphasis on guys getting to know each other to you know to talk about each other when we were in Maui to bond to grow um I, I just want to get your thoughts on now that you can reflect on what you would trying to build like how do you think it went yeah well obviously it went pretty well at the end there um the whole being yourself thing I I guess I've always been myself I, I didn't really want to change too much but Dan sort of he made it more obvious he, he we spoke about it a bit more about being yourself and um yeah again I'd never really thought too much about it. anyone in my team or myself it was always about being yourself it's always an interesting um conundrum are you a happy team because you're winning or are you winning because you're a happy team? I've never known what the chicken or egg is on that one. Um, but yeah, we, we, I think we got, the, we got the balance right. And I said it after the grand final, you can have fun and, and still do things right. And uh, this group worked hard. They were professional when they needed to be. But the amount of laughter and, uh, and good times we had along the way. And it was special because a lot of us, for a lot of us, were experiencing places for the first time ever. Like going to places not New Orleans, New York, there was just a novelty value in every time you jumped on a plane. So that, that side of it was awesome as well. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, I think the other thing that sort of bound us really tight from the beginning was that every person in this club took a risk. Um, it's very easy in life to sit and be comfortable and keep doing the same thing you're doing. Um, whether you get enjoyment out of that, I'm not sure. But I know that... I was nervous in sort of October, November when I got a call saying, do you want to come and play for a, a team named after a, a cocktail that hasn't been invented yet in Los Angeles where we don't have a home base or headquarters or anything. So I was one of those people, but everyone in the club would have gone through that conversation. Um, so I think it, it initially just got us real tired because I knew that everyone was in the same boat. We'd taken a bit of a leap of faith, a bit of a risk in our lives, and we never knew how it was going to turn out. So immediately that sort of made us all get really tight together. It was really cool. No, I think it was unique. And, and I think the fact that, you know, when I reflect on the journey and the season we had, the fact that we did spend so much time together at the start and the world wasn't open and COVID forced us to Maui, well, COVID and Gilcrest forced that allowed us to go to Maui. And then we had the time in Oxnard together before guys kind of went back to their sort of homes and routines. We had built almost a really sort of family connection, which I think really held us strong in the season. Well, yeah, any, any professional team, the team I'm going back to, you, you've got a 12 or 13-week preseason where you're thinking of only being away together in camp for one of those weeks. The rest of the time you're going home to your own family. So to do seven weeks to start it off, it just accelerates those relationships right from the get-go. And, 
And to touch on Deno's point there of uncertainty, <laughs> you should have been the uh, admin side of it. We, uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. The, um, we had a, a good moment last night, actually. We had the staff uh, caught up for a sort of farewell drink and um, we went around the room and I asked them all to say, what was the biggest, biggest thing you pulled out of your ass at the last minute when the pressure was on? And uh, there were some funny stories, like Mitch Uberman talking to Fat Man Scoop, uh, an hour before he goes on to, to Kevin Battle, our team manager, told me the thing he was one of the things that stressed him out most when we had a we had a whole squad landing in Maui and the night before everyone arrived, he didn't have a training field. Like we had no place to practice. <laughs> the local government wouldn't give us their facilities and uh, the polo ground we were, weren't giving us any love and he just physically went there and knocked on doors till the polo ground let us in and it turned out to be a a masterstroke. It was a really cool environment to train. We're up on top of a mountain in Hawaii, and uh, it just set the scene. And uh, but that was our those first three or four months. That's what it was like. You were just scratching guessing. and guessing and, and pulling things out of your butt to to get them done. And then when you um, you know reflect on it, Darren, like if you were going to summarize in a nutshell, like what you learned or or what this league is, or, or what, like you know if you were going to summarize it, what how would you describe it? Oh. It was the, I always talk about your overall rugby experience, not, not just the on-field part, but the friendships and the travel. And, and it, was, it was pretty close to the complete, complete package. Like, as I said, touched on earlier there, the, the travel to different parts of America, um, the North American sports scene, like even game day at the Coliseum, like music blaring in, in stoppages. We, we just Americanized rugby and it was, that side of it was really cool to the, to the playing group and, and how many new friends we all got out of it and obviously a, a massive shout out to the leadership group like we had some really experienced and strong leaders that not only drove the on-field standards but they got the balance right and and us as a staff like i didn't know you corps six know. months seven months ago and we're now lifelong friends so it's uh it's pretty cool no um i i i I think that knocks it on a head. Like the relationships we built, like summarizes this to me. And I've loved rugby since I was, you know, five years old and fallen in love with it. And I loved my professional rugby experience. And it was quite traumatic leaving it with injuries and, you know, just kind of going from being in it your whole adult life to then just being away from it. And I'm very fortunate to have found a life after rugby. But to get an opportunity to come back into this environment and like re experience it, like it made me so grateful for like all of the connections, all of the experiences. I was much more present. Like we already said, I was myself. Like, I can't say enough good things about this club. And people will think I'm biased or whatever, but it, but it was the journey, Deno, that we went on together. Like, we all started from scratch. You came from, you know, double winning champions in Europe and, and the premiership to a brand new environment, but taking all those same attitudes and drives and the culture that Baxter has built in Exeter and taking a piece of that. Like, that's what I loved about the experiences. It was just pieces of the good parts of rugby from all over the world sort of coming into one place. Yeah, I think it's a very powerful thing to create an environment where everyone's themselves and everyone brings their best. Um, you know, when everyone's aligned on the same page and they're free to express who they are and what they believe in. And, and like you said, you pick and choose. Some things don't work. You know, we've got some weirdos in our group. <laughs> um, so you, you sort of allow for them to express themselves. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just that ability to... Um, blend everyone's strengths and and all the relationships I've formed over my years have come through shared experiences and we've shared some great experiences this year um, like I said a lot of challenges uh, people look from the outside in and think you know you 
get to play the Coliseum each week and, you know, it, it is a good life, but it goes and doesn't go without sacrifice and hard work and everyone's made that sacrifice, which ultimately brings us a lot closer together. And um, Yeah, I, I think you heard, you know, Gitz after the final said it's one of the most enjoyable times of his career and that's coming from a guy who's played for 20-odd years professionally, been to World Cups. So that, that in itself is a fair reflection of what we're able to create this year and what we're, uh, we're able to achieve. And then if you look at, you know, coming in, what were the biggest challenges uh, that you both uh, experienced? Deno first. Um, oh, just the unknown. I think uh, when you come in, it's an older guy who's had a bit of experience. Uh, you've still got to take that time to assess the playing group they have in front of you. And, you know, this is no disrespect to any of the guys I play with, but there's a, there's a, there's a big gap um, within the playing group from some guys who, you know, Geelin, um, our you know, future hooker, a guy who's got a great uh, future in the game of rugby, has been playing for six months. <laughs> you know, so for me to be running a line-out session and get frustrated and not hit me in the line-out, um, which I normally would do at other, other places, um, you've got to make that adjustment. Um, you definitely don't give them shortcuts or easy ways out, but probably just the way you talk to people and uh, respect their background and their history in the game, you know. And then you've got a guy like Gitz, who's, like I said, or Swoop, been playing for 20-odd years. So you've got that balance between trying to trying to talk to a guy who's new to the game, trying to talk to a guy who should know better. It's all this mixing thing. So that's probably what I found the biggest challenge within the, the playing group and trying to drive performance. But um, ultimately, it was just about creating an environment where guys can be themselves and, and be the best they can be. And I think um, particularly some of those local guys may not have been in that environment before. They've, they've taken a step forward and only set them up moving forward. It's really cool. Yeah, probably the biggest challenge was uh, <clears throat> just in those first seven weeks of uncertainty was just keeping keeping the boys happy and, and on song. There was a lot of anxiety around where they were going to be living and and there were some guys that, that I was getting to know that, that did a bit of moaning and whinging and, and you're wondering, are they, are they in it for the right reasons? Are they team or are they I? But once we got settled in LA and, and people's families got around them and, and there was consistency in coming into this great place to train every day and... I think then their true personality shone out. So for me, obviously, just the uncertainty that first first period, getting set up around COVID, that was clearly the biggest challenge. And then when you look at, um, you know, those were the challenges that you guys faced. And, and I think the unknown is probably the perfect way to summarise it because I don't think anyone knew at the beginning what this MLR season was going to look like, whether it would happen, you know, obviously the premature ending to the last year with the pandemic, and then to reflect on where we are as a team, going through 99, uh, 99 games as a league, going through all the rounds ourselves, like the fact it was completed with fans, set the record uh, at the, in the final with the Coliseum, with attendance, like, you know, how, how do you reflect on that now, like when you think about it? Yeah, man, I, I think it was just a good reflection of the league, all the owners, uh, the MLR to get 99 games to go ahead. Um, <laughs> You know, COVID-free, we, we trained under restrictions, we travelled under restrictions, but it was all worth it, you know, and it was, a, it was a great year. And hopefully coming in for our first year, we helped elevate the league. And I know the exposure got around the world. I had friends in Australia and England and everywhere who were tuning in and watching MLR, which is um, it's a real positive for the league moving forward. And then, like, I, I'm in, inundated it with as well, but, like, how good is it that players all over the world, coaches, fans, are taking notice and are starting to reach out and want to come over and play? Like... Honestly, two years ago, there was the occasional big dog who would message me. Or Now it is very, very regular that there's 50-plus cap players who are having one eye on this league, Darren. And, and, and do you find that exciting? Where do you think 
uh, this league could get to. Yeah, definitely. It's um, <clears throat> I think just look at the quality of people and the calibre of players that came over. Obviously, um, we did a little bit different here. The, the, the Giltini social media, I think, caused a bit of, a bit of a storm and uh, particularly the way Gitz and, and Adam Ashley Cooper sort of played along that and, and I think that just got people curious. Um, but also, I think it's a great league. Like it's, um, we got some guys here that uh, had played Super Rugby and were at the tail end of their career or guys that will go back and play Super Rugby. Um, I think the league can double as both. It can be some older ex-legends coming back and it could be some young guys that, that can't quite get the game time they need in some of the other, in the Premiership or Super Rugby, come and do a year or two, get some real big minutes under their belt, learn to be a professional and build from that. And all the while, that's going to grow the American players. Like you've got, if you've got old experienced guys, you've got up and coming talent from overseas, you combine that with the, the American talent and you only look at some of the players in our team that benefited, benefited from the experience and the high quality of player around them and they raised their game significantly during the season. And then if you were going to, um, you know, describe like the Giltini's like identity or culture or what you, what we were trying to build or what we have built and, and you were going to reflect on it. Like, Deno, how, what would you sum it up as? Probably a paradox is the word that I'd like to use. I try and use as a group, you know, from the outside looking in, you, you probably think um, we're a team that uh, likes to have a drink every, every night. Probably not every night, maybe the coast does, <laughs> but uh, you know, likes to party, likes to have a good time. You know, we've got some pretty, pretty nice team colors in pink and sky blue and, you know, we live in one of the best cities in America. We're on the beach all the time. And so, you know, that's probably one angle of it. You look at it, but the other side of it is that we're a committed playing group and we want to we want to perform to the highest standard. We want to try and grow the league. Um, we we want to try and elevate the game of rugby in America. So uh, that doesn't just happen through partying and having a good time. That happens through hard work and commitment. And uh, we've only just started in terms of how, how this club's run around the professional side, around our application was training and playing. and. Uh, it's probably the best way to describe, you know, it's, it's a balance, balance between the two. And you need that. I found that that's the best way to work. And the partying and the good times and going to Vegas or going down to Cabo, or whatever, that's a byproduct of working hard. So I like to think that maintains as the season, as the club gets older, sorry. I, com I completely agree. Like love and attitude sum up a lot of this club to me, like great words that I think, um, I'm not sure who came up with those demos. <laughs> great. Um, but they sum up everything to me, a lot about this club. And then, Again, like the identity that we tried to build, like so fortunate that we have Adam Gilchrist and Haas and the support staff around to have these like, you know, more extravagant, amazing off-field experiences together. But at the same time, they mean nothing if you don't earn them on the field. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I thought this culture tried to drive and I think we did and I think we'll continue to drive is this like great, like being appreciative and gratefulness that we have these amazing things but at the same time, nothing if we don't earn them on the field. And, and I think that's the culture that's just starting to come here. It's a little bit Saracens-esque of the times when they had, um, you know, their, their sort of ownership group that was, you know, very, you know, favorites to them. And, and, and I think that's something that is starting to build here and long may it continue as well. You know, best way to sum it up, I think we've been drinking gillies all year and you have one of these after a win, it tastes beautiful, we had it after a loss and tastes horrendous, so... That's the best way to sum it up, mate. Um, you know, everyone likes having a beer after a game, but if it's after a game where you haven't put in, you haven't worked hard and you haven't got the win, it's, it's no good. So that's, that's what we're trying to drive. And then, um, DC, if you were going to sum up Deno and, um, you know, he, he was your captain this season, the leader you brought in, um, 
how would you sum, sum him up, you know, at the club and, and what he does, but also away from the club as well? <laughs> Don't tell him too much to do it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, we've sort of been through all those emotional highs and lows of, uh, of getting deep about each other. Um, and, and to your point there earlier, I think, then I touched on it with balance, but I don't think football teams have to be concerned about expressing their feelings, showing love to each other and having fun. Like if you've got love in the room and you're having fun while you're doing it, so many good things come off the back of that. So yeah, we got that part, this big fella here. Um, how would I describe him? Um, considerate, uh, hardworking, tough, uh, proud, um, and just a good bloke to be around. Yeah, he gets the balance right. I uh, can talk the leg off a chair, but he, uh, <laughs> but he, he's good fun to be around. And, and when it's time to work, he's working harder than anyone else. And he drives really high standards. But when it's time to party, he's driving them as well. So Honestly, I think you summed them up perfectly. Like the, the things I would say about Denner, I could write a laundry list <clears> about them. Like coming into this environment from where he's been, there was no sort of like, you know, feeling of above anyone from day one that I met him or he walked in. He was so open, so honest. I think the, the way without giving away too much, uh, Denner, that you showed some of your emotional vulnerabilities to the group, I think was an amazing thing. And then I just think, that you talk the talk, but you walk the walk as well. And I think the way you drove standards in training, the fact that you played almost, I think you only missed one game this season, like to come in here at the backer end of your career, but to then say, hey, like I'm giving everything for this because I'm here to build something special. Like that to me sums you up and that sums up a lot of, you know, we had a number of guys that delivered that in this environment, plus guys that were just keen and, and everything that combined to this position that I think we're in now where we had a very successful first season. There was a good point in the season. I, I thought it was a turning point, particularly for Deno and, and where we went. Uh, the early six rounds, we sort of had some big wins and we rested a couple, lot of the older players early. It wouldn't have been many of those first six games where Deno played over 55, 60 minutes. Um, we then got our first, our first licking up at uh, New York. And then probably the point we realised we were in a real battle here was when Atlanta bashed us at Atlanta. Like, and uh, the New York loss, you could sort of say we maybe weren't on our game, but we went to Atlanta with close to our strongest team and with every intent of winning, and we got beaten and beat up by a way better team. The trap from there was we went into a bye, and then I think we had five or six games to go in the league to finish, and there was a significant switch in some of our leadership group to go, well, a, this isn't a guarantee we're going to win this league. And B, we've got a, we've got a sprint now. We've got five or six weeks to, to get us home. And uh, and then I led that. And then I think if you look at the match stats after that, he played 80 minutes and backed up week to week pretty much on the whole run home. So, uh, yeah, that was a good turning point for us, Atlanta. And, um, and obviously we, we got him again in the final. And I'm, I'm glad we got to play him again in the final because if there was one team I thought that I was most concerned that we couldn't beat, it was them. So to get him again later in the big dance was um, was cool. And then Deno, if I ask you about DC and Ooh, uh, you know geez. your experience of, of working <clears throat> under him uh, this season, would you would you share some on that? Oh yeah, I, um, I'll share a story from about four days ago. I was in Vegas. We all were, and uh, I had a good win to finish up my last last night in Vegas. I went to the cashier. And I was like, all right, I'm on my money. I'm going to cash out here, go to my bed and leave Vegas probably ahead for the first time ever. Just as I cashed in my thing, I turned around, I saw DC walking down the 
down the casino. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> but I couldn't help not want to be with him. And that's probably the guy that, uh, that's the way, he, I don't know, he's just got a good heart, good person to be around and, um, you know, likes to have a good time, uh, but is very committed to his job. And yeah, gets the balance right as well, I think. Um, I think the club's going to miss him, definitely. Because, uh, he created a, uh, you know, something really special here. We'll, we'll do our best to try and carry that on, but um, you know, DC leaving will, will affect us a little bit. But um, yeah, I think he's uh, just a great guy. And the other thing that I'm not sure everyone knows, and I've spent a bit of time away from my family, I know how hard it is. He spent the whole season away from his wife and two kids. Um, and that for me is a real admirable thing because it's so hard. It's time that he will never get back with his kids, but he put that all his time into here. And, uh, it's probably a reflection of his, his mindset as a person. No, I, I agree, mate. Uh, it was a revelation meeting someone like DC. I think the rugby IQ and the brain he has and the experience he's accumulated from coaching and especially his his eye for, you know, the attacking sort of, um, you know, elements of the game that really sort of, you know, excite a lot of people. Like, those are non, no-brainers. But then when you talk about the man off the field like I, I love that guy like he, he loves his team he loves the people in he commits like again we're already circling back but the ability to be yourself like it does come from him top down he is himself and, yeah. and, I, and that trickles down and, and I felt empowered by that and it was honestly the most like when I played rugby in my career I had a lot of social anxiety I was always worried or cared about what people thought or whatever but here it was just so different I don't know I'm also more mature than I was then too but I 100% attribute a lot of that to DC and the ability to, to let people express themselves, to have fun. And then again, the absolute commitment. Like this guy likes a good time, but he's the first one back in the next morning and will be doing the review or making sure he's prepped or chasing everyone to get their stats or whatever in. And, and when you have someone at the top that that bleeds down with all the great stuff we have as well, it's, it, it's phenomenal and it's going to be a big loss missing him. But I also think instead of looking at that in a negative way, I look at what a positive is that we had this guy from at year one to help build a foundation. Like you never know, might come back <laughs> at some point or how the journey goes. I let him back, mate. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, My missus won't let me back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, like he built, helped build a part yeah. of this. Like there will forever be part of this identity of this team, which has DC in. And, and I hope the same with, with Dave Dennis and I hope the same a little bit of the scrum with myself and and that's what I love about yeah. this culture is like there's pieces of of us in it there wasn't anything built before we were here so we're all a part of it and I think DC I think you were actually the real person that you know hired me and saw something a little bit different in me and my story and I will always be grateful for that that you you know gave me a chance especially when I was having one of the hardest experiences of my life um, and uh, with, with the chemo and the cancer to, to allow me in to be a part of this from day one. Like, I, I am so grateful to be a part of it, but I'm also just more grateful to have you as a friend. And, and I think when you summed up very early from day one, and you've said it on the pod before, but by the, when this is all said and done, you'll be happy if you know that if someone 10, 20, 30 years is driving in a, in a, you know, in a shout of you and your house or your hometown they're turning off the road and coming to see you and have a beer. And I can hundred percent, you know, back that up that I will, I would drive hours to have a beer with you. Do you know what I mean? I do that anyway, right now from San Diego. It's, it's a lovely beach anyway. So even if you don't want to have a beer with him, go visit Southwest Rocks because it's a lovely part of the world. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, without getting him too emotional, like it has to be said before you leave, like DC, I'm, I'm grateful for you. And I think everyone here, and I think rugby in America should be grateful because 
honestly, the, the way we played brought eyeballs to the sport. And that is, a lot of that is on you. Like you helped coach a team that isn't a super rugby team, that has guys of all different abilities, but we played a brand of rugby that really made a big splash this year. And I'm grateful for you. Thanks guys. Yeah, really nice words. Um, yeah, I'd be sad to leave. There's no doubt. It's, um, it's been an emotional week right from the lead up to the, to the final and then the week since. And, uh, yeah, even last night with the staff, it was, uh, it was a lot of tears. And uh, we've got two weeks quarantine when we get back to Oz. It's going to be a pretty dark place, I imagine, after what we've just gone through. But um, again, that's the beauty of rugby, mate. Just the, the, the friendships that you make are just yeah. top notch. It's just nothing like it. It's just absolutely nothing like it. And then, you know, if we look at the actual season, and I, I think it would be wrong not to get some of your insights, like, Put, it, put us in your guys' shoes. You know, we played Utah that last game of the season and, and it went, you know, as much as it was a close enough game, it was a bit of a demoralizing game, especially for, for you and me, Denna, and the forwards and, and looking at it. Like, talk about get that, getting that game and then the turnaround and what went into then the Utah game and then I'll get on to the final. Um, well, I think there was a clear plan in how we we're going to approach it. Uh, yeah, we, we knew we slipped up against Nola, which we were you know, terribly disappointed with at home. It's our first and only loss at home this year. And then we knew if we, if we got the result against Austin with a bonus point that we could afford to give a few guys a bit of a rest that last round. So um, there was always a bit of a plan all, all the way along. And I think we rested seven or eight guys that last round who were going to come back into the semifinal. So there's a lot of belief and confidence there that... Um, you know, we'd be right for the semi-final, although that, <laughs> we made that hard in ourselves and we just scraped through there with some brilliance from RJ, you know, back end of the game. But uh, that, that last round, I think, is just a, a reflection of um, just the depth of our squad, you know, and, and for the guys who involved in that game, I'm sure they learned a lot. You know, we struggled at scrum time, as you said, our, our line-out, um, just some key areas in our game which our pride ourselves on, we, we dropped off a bit and it was just a bit of a learning thing. And there's been learning learning points throughout the whole year for everyone, myself and Gitz and Swoop, older guys who've been around a long time, we still learn a heap from this year around performance and leadership and all that sort of stuff. And that was just another opportunity to, to look at that game and say, okay, um, we need to be better. And thankfully, we obviously uh, we got the job done a week later, which is not easy in sport, particularly a Utah team that was hugely talented. Um, I think they one of the most enjoyable teams to watch all year. You know, they had a lot of, lot of threats across the park. They played with a real openness and positivity and yeah, I, was, I was nervous going to that semi-final. There's no questions there because they're a very good team. Yeah, I think there's actually a bit of highs and lows in that. Like if there was a, a regret or a disappointment, for me it'd be the fact we didn't go our home season undefeated. Like that Nola slip up. It not only made put heat on us to, to beat Austin with a bonus point the next week, but there's just... Yeah, I was down after that. Like, I, I really wanted the Coliseum to be that fortress that no one could ever win at. So, full credit to them. But the first Utah match in uh, round 18, I, I thought we got a moral victory out of that. Like, for the number of guys we had out, I, I was I, I left that game really comfortable and confident. And I think that was probably why the, the semi-final, the, the conference final, was probably as tight as it was. We, we left that round 18 game with more, I believe, with more confidence than they did. We rested even more than what Dan has said. I think there was 12 players that came back into the 23 the next week and we'd, we'd taken them right to the wire without some of our big dogs and potentially maybe thought, well, back at home, everyone was back, we are fresh. We'd been game planning for two weeks for that game and maybe didn't put the 
didn't cover the detail, not so much the, the tactical detail, but just didn't put the effort in that we should have and just thought that might have happened. Like our intensity and our quality of play the following week in the final far outstripped the, the, the Western Conference final against Utah. And then when you look at the final against Atlanta and the, you know, we already talked a little bit, it was a turning point for us and, and the loss down there. Like, how do you reflect on, like, the performance, uh, you know, the growth in the team? Like, to me, it was unbelievably satisfying to see that we'd learnt lessons and then we're able to actually implement them on the field. But from you guys, like, how did you feel from, from that game and, and the result and also the way that, that, that we played? Yeah, I, I think DC said that that Atlanta game away was a bit of a turning point for us. And sort of from that moment, that very much the message from the leisure group is around we need to be better and we need to be in the moment, correct pressure every game. And we didn't get it right for the rest of the season, but, you know, it's all about timing. And I think that Atlanta game in the final was probably the first time all year that we understood the importance of pressure at every moment. You know, I think we pressured their line out and their scrum well, defensive pressure caused a lot of knock-ons, aerial pressure with kicks. Um, and in big finals, that's really important. And it's it's a hard thing to just switch on during the year, you know, and I, but I just kept trying to reiterate to the boys that, to win big games, you need to make everything a contest. And that Atlanta game away, we didn't. You know, we're passive in some key areas. Um, even the Utah game in the semi-final week before, we weren't good enough. But um, yeah, it was almost a perfect storm. That that Atlanta game, I felt, was probably our best performance all year in regards to controlling and maintaining pressure on the opposition. Uh, I agree. I, I, I think um, you know, it, it's a bit of a blunt word, but to bash Atlanta is very impressive when, when you look at what they were able to do to pretty much every team in this league. And um, to go there and have quite contrasting styles, but to be able to nullify some of their real strength, DC, and then at the same time still find a way to play our identity. And when you, you look at the Lions as such that get dragged into a you know an arm mm. wrestle with South Africa, could not find a way to really show anything other than trying to beat South Africa at their own game where I think we were able to achieve something, which is, you know, the fact that we could score the tries we scored, we played, but we also earned the game line creatively to then be able to still play our game. To me, um, I, I loved it. Yeah, as far as a, a pure coaching moment, like that was, yeah, that was obviously the highlight. They, after that Atlanta loss away, there's a lot of sleepless nights there. Like, how are we going to break these guys down? A lot of numbers on their feet, real good tacklers, real physical, a lot of line speed. We thought our, our open ball movement style of footy was going to be able to tear apart everyone. So it was a bit of a reality check on that. And I think, yeah, had we had we a snuck home with that win uh, away, we may not have won the final. Like it really made us rethink on how we play teams that are, that are a defensive juggernaut in front of us. And we had landed Atlanta. Like uh, we won the majority of the contacts in that game. And and uh, big credit to you, Corbs. Like the biggest stress of mine going into that game was there's going to be a scrum how a scrum was going to hold up we'd lost jp smith the week before charlie abel hadn't played any loose head um and then for the way him and marco fepelai stood up like mm. they were probably the, i know gits was a master class from him and swoop did some great things and ryberg was on fire but <clears throat> charlie and marco don't stand up like they did in the scrum then we don't win that game mm. I, I agree, mate. And, um, you know, there was times where sometimes you feel like a broken record, you know, end the season, like hammering guys for detail, for things. But 
it literally comes down to that one day where you need it against a team like that, where if you want to win the title, you have to be good enough there. And to see those guys front up and to see the way they scrummed um, and the involvements around the park, like monumental and gave me so much pride and so much you know gratification from this coaching experience it was the mm. first time where i've really there's been moments where i've gotten a really good reward from the experience but that final to me like you talked a lot about nirvana and what our nirvanas are and you know why do we play or what our moments are and, and mine a lot of time is the journey not the after but sitting there for a second and watching those boys go and watching them you know not take a backward step against you'd argue with one of the two three best scrums in the league I'd say us Atlanta and, and Utah are right up there as the three the three best and to, to go there like it, it was everything to me and I, I still dream about it like I love it mm. and it gets me excited for yeah, next yeah. year or whatever because oh. you gotta you gotta you know back it all up yeah and this I just want to, two things on that for me where like whenever you win a championship there's stories untold stories of, of bravery and both those boys, like Marco ruptured his PCL the, the week before and he had a significant tear lesion in his, in his cartilage there and didn't run at all all week, packed about three or four scrums. For him to go through and, yeah. and do that uh, was amazing. And we get branded like the Glitz and Glamour Club and we've got some big names and, and all that sort of stuff. But that front row and a lot of those players in our forward pack, they're just club players from Australia. Like Charlie's never played Super Rugby, Mahe's never played, Marco's never played. They're all they're all club players. Poito, Nathan Denhoit, uh, obviously Gussie and Dano have had a good Super Rugby career. But those other boys, they just they've come from an amateur background, so they, they really stood up. And then, you know, if we go sort of you know full circle, like w what did it mean to you to win it? Like DC, especially after the fact that you knew you were leaving this year, um, you know, and we'll get on to that briefly. But the, to have, did that add a lot more pressure? Did that add a lot more desire? Did it make it more nervous? Did it make it better because you knew it was one and done? Or, or, or how was it? Oh, I think anytime you win a championship, the feeling's immense. Like it, whether I was leaving or not didn't really come into it. Like you've worked so hard for 12 months with, with a group of people all pulling on the rope together and, and getting on and as we touched on, having fun and, and doing it right. Uh, that elation you get at the end, I don't think it, it doesn't change whether it's your last shot at it or your first. Yeah, I, um, I think when you get older as a player, these opportunities, to win a championship is very hard. <laughs> so hard. They don't come around very often. And I think for, for, for myself and some of the older guys, um, I came with the intention to win it, but you, I'm not gonna lie, you, you never quite know. You, you have belief and you have desire and you have all these plans but until you actually stand in there with the, with the trophy you never quite know so um yeah to actually achieve it in our first year from from nothing is, is really cool and something I'll, I'll forever remember and dc talks about a lot you know uh all rugby teams about friendships and being together and um be a pretty cool story to wherever we are in the world all three of us and everyone else to catch up and oh. have a beer and whatever it is 10 15 20 years time and reflect on what was a, a special year uh, I agree, lads. And then, you know, DC, um, you know, what was it like coming over here? Uh, obviously, we started with a big bang and, you know, then the Waratahs potential opportunity came up. Like, talk us through a little bit about what you were feeling or whatever, because it's a big decision either way. The Waratahs has always been a dream of yours, but you were, I know you were enjoying it here too. And, and it's, it's not an easy decision to choose one or the other. H how were you during that time? 
Yeah, it's definitely tricky. Um, firstly, the way I've been raised is you, is you got to honour your word. My word was to do three years here. So to uh, when that opportunity started presenting, that was really tricky. Obviously, I had a, a great bond and, and friendship with Adam Fryer, the general manager, and, and Steve Hoyles, the assistant coach, and we'd sort of agreed to do this together, bring our families over and do a three-year three experience in, um, in LA. So to backtrack on that, that was hard, but... Uh, those two and Adam Gilchrist, they didn't make the decision harder than what it was. Like once I decided that that's what I wanted to do, uh, they were super supportive and, and this club will go on and prosper for sure. Um, for me going back, it, it dream jobs thrown around. It's pretty hard to beat this job. It's pretty dreamy, this job, <laughs> living on the beach in LA. Um, but it's more just for me a, a career pinnacle. Like I've been battling away for 20 plus years as a coach and I've applied for that job a couple of times and missed out. So when it came up and I think what makes it even more romantic for me is that they're dead last at the moment. Like I love, I love startups. I love going to teams that are at the bottom. So uh, to go back to my home state, go to live in my home city uh, and take the team that is a, traditionally a powerhouse that is at the bottom at the moment, it was a perfect storm. So there wouldn't have been many jobs. I don't think there would have been any other jobs that would have left this for yeah. except that one. Maybe to coach the Wallabies. That would be the only other one. <laughs> <laughs> fair play fair play and then you know I, I think it's amazing because I think you know as much as I'm going to miss you I think it really makes people take more notice of the MLR that you know that you know they're taking a head coach from the MLR to come in and, and be the head coach of a super franchise that gives probably more fire to more coaches coming over here with the idea that they're in a shop window and could still you know jump up to the to the job of their dreams or whatever as well so for me these are all really exciting catalysts for the growth of the game over here. And as much as I'm going to miss you as a bloke, if you go over there as well and just keep smashing it and the Waratahs are right up there, that continues your brand, our brand, the story. Like, and all I want is for the success of my friends, but I also selfishly, for the success of everything going on here, want you to be incredibly successful, you know, going forward. And then I think if we were going to sum this podcast up or we were going to end on a on a, on a note, I'd probably ask you guys, well, I'm going to ask you guys, I shouldn't say probably, is, you know, of all, you know, of all the things um, that you've experienced this season, the relationships you've built, like, what, like, how would you want to be remembered? Like, how, how do you feel, you know, you've represented yourself and, and, and how do you feel this, like, journey is, as you know, equated to you? Oh, that's a good question. I, oh, I just hope that... Um, Everyone in this club, players, staff, supporters, um, have appreciated the effort I've put in to try and make it successful and enjoyable. That's all I've tried to do. You know, I've come here to try and try and win some silverware and to have a good time myself, but ensure that other people have a good time. So hopefully that was well received and um, it's the start of something really, really cool as a club. Yeah, um, both sides of it. I guess if there is a regret, it was just the fact that my family couldn't experience this. Uh, this culture and this this love that we've been involved in it's um particularly my boy jakey he loves his footy and uh speaking to a lot of people in the team that um we got a pretty cool thing going on with with, with deno's kids halsey's kids there's a lot of kids in and around the team and and i and i think there's just such so many positive role models for those kids to to look up to and aspire to so if in some sort of way i i helped um create that or or be a part of that is 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 something that i'm proud of and I think if there's anything, I'd, I guess I'm just honest. If, it, if people say one thing, I just, for whatever I do, I just want to be honest. No, nah, mate, 
I, I, I couldn't add much more to that. I think I, I back it up of 1000%. Like I am, I, I think both your guys commitment to, you know, like full 100% commitment to make this thing a success from the minute you signed up is, so, and, and I would root you in with another other of key senior players was a massive driver to the factor of success, as well as the off-field staff and the work of they did as well. But I would say that having guys like yourselves come in here and embrace this to 110% uh, meant everything to me. It made me want to be a part of it more. And I think it was a key driver of success and why we're able to have these moments. So I'm really grateful for you. And I'm grateful for you to guys to both coming on this show and grateful for the relationships. And, and I'm going to miss you as you both uh, head to, to Shores and Oz soon. You've definitely made me feel a lot better about myself sitting here for the last hour, Corpse. It's uh, yeah, a lot of kind words and um, just humbled and um, understanding and re-emphasising that it wasn't just us two. There were so many other people that worked so hard for this to happen and I'm just happy they all got a, a bit of success out of it too. DC made a promise that when he wins Super Rugby in 12 months' time, he's going to crack the first ever guillotine. So they'll be at market by then. Yeah, so they'll have, you don't so say. So you want a photo with the Super Rugby trophy and DC with the guillotine, just, they'll just tie everything in nicely. I'm, I'm up promise. for that, mate. That's his I'm promise. Up for that. I'm up for that. And so, guys, thank you for coming on. To everyone listening, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. This Guiltini's American Rugby Show special. Thanks for all tuning in. And thank you again, guys, for coming on. No worries, cool. Cheers. Good mate. Keep up the good work. And a reminder to all of you American Rugby Show fans, keep subscribing, keep checking out. We are not going away. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit slower with the pod as the MLR is not rolling. You won't have the breakdown and everything every week. We'll be dropping these Guiltini specials. There's also going to be State of the Unions with myself, Rob, and Todd. Thank you for all the support. Keep following us on Instagram at The American Rugby Show, on Twitter at The Am Rugby Show. Like, favorite, share, tell your friends, keep going to pod. We're not going anywhere and we keep putting out amazing content. So thanks for all your support this season and enjoy and we'll see you again soon. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.